Welcome back to another Edge God In podcast. Thank you for pushing that pause button to Edge God In. Not out, my friends, but in. Our mission at Edge God In is to champion your human potential in Christ. Edge God In is the voice of the Emotional Intelligence in Christ project. You can tune in to other podcasts. We have over 200 uh, podcasts. I think it was the last the last podcast, I said, yeah, we've got like about 100 or a little over 100. And I just looked and I think we have like over 200 now by the glory of God. Um, every single topic that you can possibly imagine. And and really, it's the um, the things that bump us and that hold us back from the full joy of the Lord in life. So you'll find a lot of stuff, a lot of topics on uh, how to be a human being and love Jesus and follow him at edgegodin.com. The Emotional Intelligence in Christ Project, if you haven't joined our community, I invite you to do so. Just visit emotionalintelligenceinchrist.com. And if you scroll down a bit, you'll have the opportunity to join that community. Every other week or so, we put out a tip in the area of emotional intelligence. If you're not familiar with emotional intelligence in Christ, uh, the mission for this project was definitely God infused by the Holy Spirit. And really our mission statement is to create learning systems that lead to the experience of God's love first and foremost, that internal transformation, which empowers individuals to manage our emotions and behaviors in a way that glorifies God, really learning how to love others well, as Jesus did the second greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And number two, love your neighbor as yourself. As I often say, this is definitely a job for Jesus. <laughs> and today's topic is one of those hot topics. Uh, the people that push our buttons actually are our greatest teachers as they reveal where we're stuck. And when we stay in a place of humility, we're able to take those lessons to hopefully help us to, to grow in grace. And God's always after our character. And, and in order to get to our character, man, it's not comfortable. And uh, it's, it's, it's not an easy earth school class to take. And yet the fruit that it produces is beyond the momentary uh, bump in our body or frustration getting through those classes in life. So stay alert, my friends. And today's topic is uh, is one that as long as you're wearing this earth suit, um, you're going to be hijacked by this. It's just a matter of how quickly can we recover and how quickly can we maintain humility and seek the Lord's wisdom in situations that pop up in life. Today's title is Watch Out for the Bait of Satan. Watch out for the bait of Satan. I recently came across a book that is really a game changer, and it's written by John Bevere, has been around for quite some time. And I am uh, really drawn to this topic simply because it's something that in earth school I struggle with being a human being, and perhaps you do as well. When was the last time you took offense at something someone said or did or didn't say or didn't do? Our flesh is weak, my friends, but the spirit is always willing to learn from situations. And so we're going to discuss what that looks like. How how the heck do we recover? We're also going to talk a little bit about stress, 
because offense triggers stress within the body. What is it? And how do I, by the grace of God, manage that stress response when I feel offended in life? So you'll walk away with with more insight around stress, perhaps some reminders you already know, but forgot in the midst of the hustle of life, as well as some very profound and direct scriptures that give us that wisdom, because the word of God is, is what we need in order to be emotionally intelligent in Christ. That project, by the way, I can't remember if I gave you the, the main site, but it's emotionalintelligenceinchrist.com, emotionalintelligenceinchrist.com. And there you can find the six-week study guide, the uh, first book that that uh, came through that project, as well as the six-week study guide and the videos that go along with each week, and two assessments that uh, you're... you're uh, you're welcome to to explore. And that's actually part of the book as, as well. Lots of different uh, learning materials to give you victory, to help you to be the boss of your emotions. Because man, they fly through the body so fast and they hijack us actually scientifically in 125 thousandths of a second. As soon as you see something as a threat outside of you uh, to your sense of safety and connection, then the stress response, it's called the APA access, kicks in and you're along for the ride. So let's jump in in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Sweet Jesus, we know that without your grace and your guidance, as well as the power within us, your presence within us, there is no victory. There is no rising above the storms and the waves of life. In and of ourselves, we are nothing. And with you within us, all things become possible, especially conquering the emotions that lead to very ugly behaviors. And we're seeing that all around us to the left and the right. It's getting pretty dark out there, Lord. We cannot control what other people do or say. And we can always control by your grace and your strength within us and your power within us how we choose to respond to what's going on in our school around us. So we pray for victory today. Truly, that is our desire to, to one, watch out for the bait of Satan and two, become uh, very aware and train up today with the scriptures and the wisdom and guidance that you're giving us today to be able to conquer those moments of offense in our life very quickly. As you said, Jesus, in the end times, many, many will be offended and betray one another and hate one another. The love of most will grow cold. And this is either the offense happens from the love that grows cold or offense triggers the love growing cold. Either way, you know our hearts, Lord, and protect us. We want to stand firm to the end. Give us the grace to do that. Have your way with us in spite of ourselves. And we give you permission to override us when the flesh starts to drive this darn bus that you've given us in our earth suit and bring us back to your peace and joy that you died to give us. In your most precious name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So a couple nights ago, I had taken the leftover Halloween candy and put it in a plastic bag 
and stored it up on the top shelf of our cabinet. Now, the top shelf is, I, I, I moved to let you know this, the top shelf is actually where my, my husband hides his his stash sort of speak of sweets and things that you know he likes to hold on to and so i know he loves the reeses so i i put it up there so my intention was pure and when he asked me where the halloween candy was i said i hey i, I put it in a bag and i put it up on your shelf because i figured you'd you'd want this and that didn't set well with him and his response was hey, you know I'm peculiar about my stuff and that shelf and how I arrange it. And I've mentioned this before, my husband is clinical OCD. And so it's important to know that piece of information because he sees the world not as I see the world. And that's actually true for all of us. I see you not as you are, but as I am. So that's a, that's a filter of mine. And we carry that everywhere we go. And it, it creates a lot of misunderstanding in relationships. And so when he said that, my my trigger came up because my intentions were, were pure. I, I wanted to do something for him. Yet they they were missing that element of knowledge, of knowing how my husband likes to organize things. So I just, I just muscled through that and just thought, oh, I'm doing a good thing. And yet I was insensitive to, to how he likes to organize his stuff. I know that this is, this is kind of like a story. You might be like, where are you going with this? This was, this, this recreated a, the, the misunderstanding. So I, I ended up taking offense. That's the bottom line. I got offended because he couldn't see my pure motives and that I was doing it to help him and thought he'd like that. Um, yet I wasn't honoring what I know about him being with him for 16 years that he likes to do things himself. So, so my pride and pride is, is the root of offense, by the way, it's, it's too much concern for <laughs> self in the midst of how people treat self and, Jesus has a totally different way of going about that. He was a, he was offended. He was he was abused, neglected, overlooked, um, rejected by his closest tribe, and nailed to the cross. So he understands what that feels like and can help us when that happens. But and and I took offense and started to feel my emotions um, gearing up, and that's usually what happens. Something there's a misunderstanding. You feel misunderstood. And that's flowing from the desire to be understood. And that triggers us very, very quickly. Our need to be understood, seen, acknowledged, recognized are all portals through which the bait of Satan can slither in and hijack your good intentions. And so rather than stepping off the stage of the offense, I followed the guidance of my earth suit. Now, what happens when you get offended and you feel a little threatened? Someone's not understanding you. The frontal cortex restricts. It shoots the blood to the back part of the brain so it can go into the limbs so that you have only three reactive choices to fight, to run, or to freeze, to implode, explode, um, or a combination of both. I've done it all, my friends, and perhaps you have as well. 
knowing that it happens in 125 thousandths of a second, I preface this podcast with saying it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when it happens and how quickly can you recover, right? That's what we're going for. We're going for recovery today. <laughs> Simply because the flesh is very weak and, and we do get hijacked. It happens. How quickly can you forgive yourself, others? How quickly can they forgive you? All of that. That's what you're going for. That's your main desire. And so as we were kind of bantering back and forth over this really inconsequential situation a bag of candy and it was at the end of the day we both worked and we were tired um we both just took a deep breath and said what are we doing here and we talked through it and released it so it was a quick recovery on that yet um when i was in it it happened very quickly again the frontal cortex restricts in 125 thousandths of a second. So what happens when that happens? We become less intelligent. We lose our ability to access solution-based thinking. We also lose our ability to access empathy, which is a big one, to see the world from someone else's perspective. We become in a defensive mode, which creates strife in our life. And that's the other big thing that creates discord and separation. Listen, Satan's biggest desire is to divide and separate us and to rob our peace and joy that the Lord died to give us. And he is having a heyday out there. So as you look around you and you're seeing what's happening and you're wondering, what do I do about all of this? Pull up the drawbridge, go into your castle Invite the Holy Spirit to sift you. Those rooms that you keep locked, that you've identified as part of your safety, and yet God desires to free you from needing the approval of other people in order to know that you're okay. He wants to free you from needing to be right in order to feel safe and confident from the needing to be understood so that you can be free when you are misunderstood. And you can stay in the frontal cortex. He wants us to stay in the frontal cortex. It's referred to in neuroscience as top-down thinking. And as I've mentioned before, there are two phrases used in neuroscience that I, that I feel are, are divinely uh, declared, and yet many people don't even make that connection if they're not connected with the Holy Spirit. However, it's top-down thinking and bottom-up thinking. Bottom-up thinking is Gollum in the cave. If you've seen Lord of the Rings, Tolkien created this little creature called Gollum. And he used to be a, a hobbit and um, living in community and laughing, loving, and uh, just really experiencing life. And yet what happened was is he, he got an attachment to the ring and it distorted his entire image. And that's what happens to us. When we get attached to our need to be right, liked, understood, all of that. It distorts the image that God has created us in, his image, that becomes distorted, which is what happened to Gollum. If you haven't seen Lord of the Rings, highly recommend it. It's an uh, incredible, incredible work by Tolkien. And um, I don't even know how many of the movies are out there. They have The Hobbit. He's, he's just written so much. If you haven't seen Gollum, just, just look that up so you can get the picture of what I'm talking about. Used to be a, 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 a you know 
complete and happy hobbit, and then he turned into a creature. Now, this happens to us. When we get spun and triggered, we turn into a creature. Um, it is uh, less intelligent. We're less intelligent. We are wanting to survive. We are in bottom-up thinking. We're in the cave clinging to a ring. And it usually takes approximately two hours for the brain to release the spin. There are some studies that say it takes 24 hours. So what do we do with that wisdom? Well, we take it to the Lord and we set boundaries on how we respond. And many times I am so guilty of just jumping in because I want people to understand me, right? I wanted my husband to understand, hey, I didn't mean to upset you by putting the Halloween candy up there. That wasn't my intention. Um, however, to give the grace of time to recover for yourself and the other person is very, very powerful. And that's neuroschool class I'm still enrolled in, by the way. Perhaps you are as well. It's a good one, by the way. Um, not, 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 uh, not fun to go through. However, um, it's a great class to take simply because it will free you from needing to know, from needing to move forward, uh, needing to demand all that kind of stuff that comes from the flesh. So when that happens and you're in Gollum in the cave or animal planet or the primal brain, bottom up thinking, what do you do in that situation? One of the best responses as a follower of Christ is to follow Jesus' lead when he was tempted in the desert and respond with scripture. So I'm going to share some scripture here, and I'll also it'll also be at edgegodin.com. You can look up these scriptures if you are dealing with offense in your life, taking offense, and then you can declare these scriptures when you're in bottom-up thinking right? When, you, when your frontal cortex is restricted to get you back up into top-down thinking. Top-down thinking, um, which I mentioned is that's what is referred to in neuroscience. It's top-down thinking. Of course, it's top-down thinking. It's, it's God <laughs> giving us the grace to come back to the person he's created us to be rather than the little creature that's been hijacked and is distorted. He wants us to come back to the fullness of the loving, kind, compassionate, forgiving, empathetic human being created in his image. He wants us to think about what is good, right, true, beautiful, excellent, praiseworthy. He wants us to be quick to forgive, slow to judge. He desires that we step away from offense and maintain that love that's spoken about in 1 Corinthians 13, a patient, kind, love is patient, kind, doesn't envy doesn't judge. It's, it's, it doesn't get frustrated. It doesn't stay in frustration. It believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And as Paul said, hey, you can do the most amazing things in this world. First Corinthians 13. It's an awesome one to continually read as we go through our school because it reminds us of the things that God is desiring to build within us and the things that we're still in the class for it, we can do the most amazing things, my friends in life, as Paul says in first Corinthians 13. And if we don't have love, it comes to nothing. So no matter what you're doing or accomplishing in life, if, if, 
love is not your first and primary practice in life. Whatever you're doing will eventually come to nothing. So that's a pretty powerful pause in our lives. And, and it's a job for Jesus. The title of today is Watch Out for the Bait of Satan. Well, the bait of Satan is offense. It comes from the word scandalon, as you've heard me share before. It's a Greek word, scandalon. And it's the part in the trap that holds the bait to catch the animal. So I want to pause for a minute and give you a moment to get that image. Offense is the part in the trap that holds the bait to catch the animal. It snaps down once it's touched and the animal's trapped. That animal is you and me. We get trapped all the time. I was, I was totally trapped two nights ago. Offense is the bait of Satan. As John Bevere chose that phrase for the title of his book, it's also, as I mentioned in the prayer, the opening prayer, Matthew 24, 10 through 11, in the end times, many will be offended. Look to your right and your left, my friends. And most importantly, look within. So what's behind this, this bait? Why is offense the bait of Satan? It creates division. It creates strife. It creates separation. And most importantly, it robs your joy instantaneously in 125 thousandths of a second. As soon as you give something the power to define your worth, value, or capability, you've taken the bait. And it will snap down on you. And that's the definition of stress. Stress is the power you give. I give. I gave it away the other night. When was the last time you gave your power away to something outside of you that evoked that sense of fear, self-doubt, worry, not enoughness, whatever it is, happens to us all the time as being human beings. It's the power we give to something outside of us to define what we believe we're capable of handling successfully with Christ. And we forget in that moment. We become less intelligent. We're unable to focus on solution. We're, we're instantly we become problem-focused. We're focusing on the problem, the ring, my precious, clinging to it in the cave. Let's explore some verses to help us get out of the cave and back into lights on versus lights off living back into top-down thinking, connected to God so profoundly that what should I care if the whole world comes against me, if my heart is right with the lover of my soul? When our hearts are right with God and we are pursuing him above everything, we can lift the world up like a child's toy. Proverbs 19.11 Good sense makes one slow to anger, and is it is to his glory to overlook an offense. 
Lord, give us this good sense and grant us the grace to be slow to anger so that we would have the ability, the emotional intelligence in you to overlook an offense. Jesus did it all the time. One of my favorite verses about Jesus is that Jesus wasn't confined by status or the opinions of other people. The opinions of other people are one of the fuels for offense. Taking it personally, it's a hit against me. Now, if I if I had if I could do a redo the other night and 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 remember that a couple things, my husband loves me. He doesn't intentionally want to upset me ever, as we've both communicated that. See, we forget these truths when when we're when we're triggered. And my husband has a good heart. And so if as we remember those things in the midst of the flare-up or the spin, then we can be talking back to the voices found in the cave. He doesn't appreciate what you're doing. He doesn't know that you have good intentions. He doesn't understand you. Blah, blah, blah. That's the voice of the dark side. Because once you're trapped in the, in, in, once you take the bait, and it snaps down. You're trapped for Satan to plant all kinds of thoughts. So as quickly as possible, you talk back. No. That's falsity. That's trickery. I know this to be true. You declare it, and then you declare the verse. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is to my glory to overlook an offense. So dear God, since you have called me in Scripture to do this, then I trust that you'll give me the grace to overlook offense this week those things that trigger me to offense so that I can bring glory to your name. Matthew 18, 15, 15 through 17 tells us actually how to deal with an offense if it's something that triggers you. Moreover, if your brother sins against you or does something, give them first and foremost the benefit of the doubt. Give them a generous assumption. If you know them, and all human beings, for that matter. The measure we judge will be judged. So moreover, you, you, you offer that gift as God gives to us. See people for who they desire to be rather than how their behavior shows up. And moreover, is your if your brother sins against you, you go and tell him directly. Don't be telling everybody else. You tell them directly between him and you alone. And as that person hears you, then you've gained them back. Too often we'll run to other people and other people um, will run to other people. And this is, this is how gossip spreads. So go, go to the person and say, Hey, perhaps you didn't know when you said this, it made me feel this way. Just wanted to bring that up because I care enough about our relationship. And in my case with the candy, if I could do a redo, I would have stopped it when he said, hey, next time, can you put the candy out on the counter and let me put it away? Knowing knowing a few things about how my husband's wired, I, I, can, I could redo that and say, hey, no problem. I'll definitely do that. And sorry, I, I, I 
forged ahead and put it away. My intentions were good. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to put it away because I know you like the candy. And so there's different ways we can always think about situations and then go back and do a redo. Ecclesiastes 7, chapter 7, verses 21 through 22. Do not take to heart. This is a huge invitation, my friends. Do not take to heart all the things people say. And, and that's a job for Jesus. <laughs> because when we're heart-filled people, um, it's and, and when we're, we're um, moving from the flesh, the flesh is very um, intimidated. The flesh is insecure. The flesh takes things personally very quickly. And we all experience that because we're still wearing the earth suit. Do not take to heart all the things people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. So there's that element too when you when something offends you to think back, this this is good for the soul, to ask the Holy Spirit, well, reveal to me when I have offended someone and when someone's offended me. So you can see both sides of it. Judge not or you too will be judged. So that's taking a pause for wisdom. Matthew 7, 1 through 5 lets us know that offense leads to judgment and strife. Again, strife is one of Satan's favorite outcomes that he's going for with offense. He wants you to live in turmoil emotionally. So he is after you and me between our two ears to plant those tenants, as you've often heard me say, that will trash your interior world. God has given you the ability to be the landlord of your mind. He's given us that authority to drive out demons. He's given that authority in his name to evict those tenants that are trashing our interior mental world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. He's given us the ability to do this, my friends. It's a matter of, of suiting up before we get into the ring of life and asking God to help you do a good job. Help me to do a good job today, God, because I know that there's going to be situations that probably will trigger me because I'm I am definitely um, still under construction in many ways and will continue to be until I stand before you. So give me victory. Give me victory in this area of taking offense and judging other people and creating strife in my own life and the lives of people around me. So judge not that you will not be judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be judged to you. So again, this goes back to the little phrase. I highly encourage that you memorize this phrase. This, this is something that came across um, came across my path a long time ago. And it's, dear God, give me the grace to see people for who they desire to be rather than how their behavior shows up. Is that not how I desire for you to see me? So just grant me that grace to see people for who they desire to be rather than how their behavior shows up. And that just keeps you in a place of humility and true greatness walks through the archway of humility. Um, and lead like Jesus, we actually have part of a retreat, something called um, egomaniacs, anonymous. And what we do in that group is simply um, invite people to say, hey, my name's Lauren and I'm an egomaniac and this is how it's showing up in my life. We all, we all struggle with it and, and admitting it is, is one of our, our first openings to being free from it and asking God to help us. So Galatians 6, 1 through 3 says, restore someone who has transgressed against you. 
with gentleness. When we're in bottom-up thinking, in animal planet zone, in the primal brain, we only have three reactive choices, fight, flight, freeze, which is why if you need the time to recover, ask for it. And I've totally plowed through people asking for recovery before and totally own that. And that that's just coming from my own flesh. And that'll come from your flesh too. No, I want to work this out right now. But just get off the stage of that and give God the grace to allow space for someone who needs to recover after something you've done spins them. That's wisdom. And do it with gentleness. When you're the one that has been spun, make the generous assumption that the person desires to do good and uh, give them the benefit of the doubt and allow them to, to speak. Restore someone who's transgressed against you with gentleness, 1 Corinthians 13. If I have love, then I lack nothing. Love is not irritable. And it believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things, including the bait of Satan being hijacked. Proverbs 22.10, drive out the mocker and out goes strife. Quarrels and insults are ended. So the mocker is someone who ridicules and insults people. This is another um, ramification of offense. Usually when someone is, is offended, there's something that you said or did that um, is a threat to them. Their sense of safety, their sense of value, their sense of worth. Regardless, and, and you've experienced that as I have as well. When you're spun, just know it's it's bumping against your sense of safety, value, uh, sense of worth, and you're giving it power to do so. And so to ask yourself the coaching question, what's this really about? What's really going on here? And bring that before God and allow the Holy Spirit to sift you, to let you know, ah, oh, this is tied to that and this. Because then you can have an above-the-line conversation, a lights-on conversation to work through it. And you can do it with love and gentleness, which is what the Holy Spirit has placed within us in emotional intelligence in Christ. Self-control is the second phase of emotional intelligence in Christ. The first phase of emotional intelligence in Christ is identity in Christ. Without Jesus Christ of Nazareth living within me, I am not a good representation of God's love in the world. I'll just tell you that right now. When I allow the power of Christ within me to take center stage and move through me, anoint me to make him recognizable, that's when good things happen. So accept yourself when you're in the bottom up thinking and continually shift your focus on getting back to that top-down thinking so that you can be an example and an ambassador for Christ's love in the world. Because this world, right now, as it stands, we need love, forgiveness, salvation from the Lord. You are his ambassador, my friend. God is making his appeal for Jesus Christ of Nazareth and the salvation in Christ through you, through me. Our face is our billboard. Remind your face that God adores you because he does. Remind your intonation that you're safe with God, regardless of what people say or don't say. Remind your body language that all things are possible and that anything that comes against you 
anything that comes against you will run in seven directions when your identity is grounded in Christ. 1 Corinthians 3, 2 through 4, for where you have envy, strife, and divisions among you. Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? So here Paul is calling them out at the time as he's witnessing this amongst believers. Envy, strife, and divisions. <laughs> and, and it's no different today in the church. Envy, strife, divisions. People going in opposite directions, hurt feelings, accusations, judgments. And Satan's just in the sidelines, just clapping. I got him again. They took the bait. They got offended. And then they started envying. Strife was the ramification and division. Know that that's his trickery. It's trickery. Do not bite. Do not touch. Do not taste. Strife is angry or bitter disagreement. It's conflict, quarreling, clashing, competition. It creates division. And it walks hand in hand with offense. Offense is basically saying, I'm giving what you're saying about me more authority than who God says I am in this moment, in this moment. So therefore, I'm feeling less than, I'm feeling threatened, I'm feeling um, misunderstood, whatever it might be. I'm giving you more authority to do that to me. Offense walks in with a consent form into your interior world with a consent form signed by you, by the way. And so to ask yourself the coaching question, what part of this do I own? What's real? What's imagined? And what is this really about? And most importantly, sweet Jesus, help me to do a good job so I can represent you in the midst of this misunderstanding that's creating offense. I want to represent you. In my face, my intonation, my body language, just help me to do a good job for your glory. Because we're not here for ourselves. Offense is a ramification of thinking we are here for ourselves. So we have to defend ourselves. And we have a vindicator, my friends. For it is God who works within us both to will and to act according to his good purposes. Philippians 2.13. Ephesians 2.10. 2, for we are the handiwork of God. He adores you. He adores me. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God's prepared for us to do. He wants us to get along and love one another as he has loved us. And as John says in 1 John, perfect love casts out all fear. There's always an element of fear, by the way, when you are offended, when I am offended. Fear of being misunderstood, not seen in the right light. Um, and usually offense evokes offense. That's That happens quite a bit. That happened the other night. Offense evokes offense. If you're offended, then you'll shoot out of your earth school, your earth suit, your face, your intonation, your body language um, in a way that is like them there fighting words. And that triggers offense in the other person. <laughs> so just know that, how that works. Cool thing is, is love evokes love. And sometimes it takes a, a, a couple of um, hits for that to land. And when you're consistent with that, 
love evokes love, it eventually changes the human heart. Actually, when you maintain a place of love, it, it, it has the power, and this is neuroscience, to change the brain waves in the receiver of that love. Jesus is inviting us today to higher ground because it's dark out there. And as we master our emotions and our reactive responses in Christ, with Christ, through Christ, then we are able to make God recognizable. Love always trumps over any below-the-line emotion because its frequency is so high. It's the frequency of God within us. It's the frequency of Jesus' love for us, so much so he died on the cross to save our souls. It's not about us, my friends. God continually re-enrolls me in that class. Oh, I thought this was about me. No, no, no. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about getting out of God's way so that his love is recognizable to every human being he's putting in front of you today. Less of me, dear God, more of you. This will be posted at edgegodin.com along with the verses that I connected with the title of today's podcast, Watch Out for the Bait of Satan. John Bevere used that as his title for his book, The Bait of Satan. So do not touch, do not taste, my friends. Pray for the protection the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, because this is a slippery little serpent that is accomplishing the work of the devil at phenomenal speeds, yet we all know how it ends. Don't forget who's ultimately in charge here in the midst of these uncertain times. And remember how it ends. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Behold, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me. Strive to stand firm to the end. Our goal is to be saved, which we are as followers and believers in Christ. The world screams and God whispers. Because of your choice to follow Christ, you're a target, and there's nothing wrong with that. Train up so that you can win in the ring of life and stand firm to the end. Give them heaven out there and 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 join us too at emotionalintelligenceinchrist.com, that community as well. You can explore the six-week study guide. Um, you can also take the course that's that's available. And we're still offering the 50% off the course, by the way, EIC 2023. Just use that at checkout for the course if you, if you desire to take that journey. Just ask the Holy Spirit. He knows what you want, what you need in order to grow closer to him. And everything is timing. 
be that light, that city, part of that city set on the hill to outshine the darkness. I look forward to our next podcast together and God bless you today.